If you want a sign that humanity's still got it going on. The people are revolting. Welcome to People Are Revolting, a daily dose of disobedience. First up, a piece by Stephen Cook. This is published at cbc.ca. More Starbucks workers in Alberta have voted to unionize, this time at two locations in Sherwood Park, outside Edmonton. In a vote taken Thursday, a majority of employees of the Starbucks at Beaverbrook Plaza on Baseline Road, supported joining the United Steelworkers, the union said in a news release Friday. The 41 workers will become members of USW Local 121-207, which covers a variety of industries across the province. We're really looking forward to joining the USW and sort of creating a partnership with them so that we can create a better working conditions and better wages for our partners, Sarah Dorn, a barista, said in an interview. Friday. Workers at a second Sherwood Park Starbucks on Sherwood Ave voted Friday to join the USW. Last month, workers at Calgary Starbucks voted to unionize following a rejection earlier this year at another location in the city. In the United States, Starbucks is facing a wave of union drives. An online tracker and map based on numbers from the U.S. National Labor Relations Board shows about 300 Starbucks locations have filed to unionize since December. It's a really, really exciting time, Duran said, and the fact that this is with Starbucks, it's pretty big. Pablo Guerra, lead organizer for USW in Western Canada, said employees in Sherwood Park had reached out to the union following the Calgary vote. He views it as part of a wider labor movement spurred by the pandemic. It's a movement created by the young workers in Canada, especially in Alberta, Guerra said. The young generations, they're looking into the union to have protection. The latest unionizations must be certified by the Alberta Labor Relations Board. Collective bargaining toward a first contract would follow. Workers at five Starbucks shops in Lethbridge are also trying to unionize. A USW spokesperson said the locations voted together as a group, but an objection was filed to the Relations Board with a hearing set for September. The ballot remains sealed in the meantime. USW already represents four Starbucks locations in British Columbia. You're going to see a massive wave of Starbucks signing in both provinces, Guerra said. He said employees at two locations in Edmonton are also organizing. In Alberta, before a union can hold a certification vote, it must apply to the Labor Relations Board with evidence that at least 40% of employees in the workplace support the union. A Starbucks spokesperson said the corporation respects its employees' right to organize. They lied. Quote, From the beginning, we've been clear in our belief that we are better together as partners without a union between us at Starbucks and that conviction has not changed, the statement said. That's hardly a statement that says they respect their employees' rights to unionize. But there you go. And uh, next up, is a piece published at workers.org this written by steve gillis the longest strike in starbucks history at boston's 874 commonwealth ave shop concluded its fifth week august 21 
with solidarity appearances by Association of Flight Attendants CWA President Sarah Nelson and Senator Bernie Sanders, a movement of young workers and veteran unionists in Boston that coalesced to support the striking baristas has grown more determined than ever to see it through to victory. The strike that began July 18, just five weeks after the workers' landslide National Labor Relations Board union vote, was provoked by a new openly Trumpite store manager sent in from southern New Hampshire. This manager's union-busting agenda included slashing workers' hours to below the level to qualify for benefits and constant racist, homophobic, and transphobic interactions like removing the rainbow pride flag, an affront to many LGBTQ2S plus workers. Starbucks Pinkerton machine didn't expect workers' defiance to its blatant unfair labor practices at this highly profitable store across the street from Boston University. The same week the Boston strike began, billionaire CEO Howard Schultz, who ran for president in the 2020 Democratic primaries and was announced to be Hillary Clinton's pick for labor secretary in 2016, launched a massive union intimidation campaign. He blamed Democratic Party-governed cities for a lack of police to provide safety to his stores, while he closed dozens of shops, many of them newly unionized, overnight. While Schultz's media blitz was underway, strikers constructed a 24-7 tent encampment in front of the store's entrance. As if to belie his own big lie, on August 8 in Boston, Schultz ordered up cop details and arrest wagons from this bastion of Democratic Party control, who at 5 a.m. escorted scab crews through the picket line in an attempt to open the shop. The Democratic City's cops went out of their way to help strikebreakers clean play three, week, three weeks' worth of rotting food and Holloway patio furniture strikers had been using while warning strikers of arrest should they interfere with deliveries which otherwise have been halted by Teamster Solidarity. Once the Boston Police Department showed up the parade of Democratic Party politicians who had stopped by the strike line in the previous three weeks for photo ops disappeared. On day one of the scab attack, the only political figures to show up were Tanisha Sullivan, president of the Boston NAACP, and Kendra Lara, first-term Boston City Councilor, and first person of color to represent her neighborhood. They were outraged by the sudden appearance of armed cops. With the balance of forces between 20 baristas on one side against one of the world's largest corporations backed by the armed force of the state, Strike Line Solidarity, which drew in thousands of mostly young workers and supporters and had sustained the 24-7 strike encampment, stepped into round-the-clock emergency defense, raising the demand, scabs and cops out now. Strike defense has included mega picket rallies, militant karaoke, a baby strike 30-day birthday party, and sidewalk swing dance lessons. The strike line is a social hotspot for this generation, which has grown up under capitalism student debt peonage and climate crisis and the Black Lives Matter atmosphere. It has become the place in town for workers assembling safely in person, some hybrid by Zoom, to develop flexible tactics and strategies, often spinning on a dime to face unexpected conditions. Multiple times a day and through the wee hours, workers meet in almost government-like fashion, figuring out what to do and how to carry out and enforce decisions which have life-and-death consequences for strikers, facing destitution and no health insurance. 
Workers from adjacent Target, CVS, Amazon, Chipotle, and Taco Bell stores, along with Greater Boston Labor Council constituent unions, have been supplying food, water, shelter, and other supplies. Emergency committees take up fundraising for strike and striker defense, organize flying squads to organize new shops and inoculate potential replacement workers, correspond with the NLRB, lawyers, media, supporters, and hundreds of Starbucks Workers United SBWU units across the country, make contract demands, and carry out a sophisticated rank-and-file run Workers' Truth media campaign. In over 40 years of partisan covering of every Boston-area strike since President Ronald Reagan busted PATCO, the former Union of Air Traffic Controllers, in 1981, this reporter has never experienced such a political, anti-capitalist, vibrant, united front of socialist-minded workers materialize in defense of a strike, conscious of themselves as a class force, and optimistic about a victory. As of this writing, Boston Mayor Michelle Wu, the first woman and person of color elected in the 400-plus year history of, quote, America's hometown, has withdrawn the Boston police. The Democratic establishment, including former Boston Mayor, now U.S. Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh, and Starbucks Union avoidance lawyers and, quote, global intelligence goons, are trying to figure out their next moves, which should be, but aren't, immediate negotiations to settle the strike. Workers World encourages all readers within travel distance to sign up for shifts on the strike line at tinyurl.com slash c6btbp93. Donate to the Boston SBWU Strike Defense Fund set up by the Greater Boston Labor Council at tinyurl.com slash 2p 84M2WC. All out to defend number 874 on strike. If you want to check out back episodes of People Are Revolting, just go to peoplearerevolting.com. You can also follow on Twitter at People Revolting. Keep revolting. And thanks for listening. a sign that humanity's still got it going on. The people are revolting. I think you just nailed it. <laughs>